0: You. you may be seated. Such a great privilege to be in the house of the Lord today. Thankful for all of our guests. And uh, if this calendar wasn't enough for you, we've got a few other things that will probably be added. It is a busy month. We want you to enjoy all of it and uh, do all that you can. Great time to be with God's people. I do want to remind the church that Tuesday, At 11 o'clock at Forest Park East, there will be a service for Francis Urich. This is Sister Cox, his sister-in-law. They were part of our church for so many, many years. uh, And then health issues uh, kept them from being able to come. But Francis passed away this past week. And so there's going to be a, a service. There will be a viewing tomorrow night here at the church. I believe it will begin at six o'clock if uh, our church family could come by and uh support our sweet sister Cox and her family also prayer goes on around here at least three times a week. If you're not involved in that, I would encourage you to do that Tuesday morning at six, Thursday morning at six, and then Saturday evening from seven till uh nine or whatever. Uh, it would be a great opportunity for you to plug in uh, and talk to the Lord. We're thankful for all the other things that are going on. Uh, there's a lot of events that are happening, and we want you to be able to participate in those. Uh, the the party has become a banquet, I think, and so you're going to have a great uh, feast when you come next sunday night but we do need you i reiterate what brother long said we need you to sign up so we know how uh, to prepare the food for those licensed ministers that are uh, in our church and we have a number of them i think about 10 uh, licensed ministers somewhere in that range there is a uh, minister's sectional ministers uh party this uh coming Friday night the 10th at 7 o'clock at Spring Creek Barbecue and all of our licensed ministers are welcome to that and with that I need to preach or I'm not going to have any time left Brother Greg Starks I'm glad you're here you may have to bail me out before I'm through today if you want to know anything about the Bible ask this man he is a walking living epistle And I mean that literally from just a young man learning scripture and Bible quiz. uh, There's not a subject that you can talk about that scripture doesn't flow out of him. So I'm going to need your help today. I thought James might be here and I could call on him, but he's sick. So that's what happens to you when you're at my place. You just have to do it yourself. John chapter 1. John the first chapter I want to read 1 through 5, and then we're going to skip down to verse number 14. John chapter 1, reading from the King James Version, and it will be on our screen so you can follow along if you don't have a Bible or you don't have it on your app, your uh, iPhone, or your uh, whatever you carry. An old-fashioned Bible still works. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And I love this verse. This is the verse that has has stirred my imagination. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. How does life become light? You have to just read the word to discover. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Literally says, and the darkness could not put it out. I'm thankful for something that darkness cannot overcome. Verse 14 said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about the gift that keeps on giving. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We have determined that this month of December was going to be a time of celebration of the wonderful truths that we find in the Word of God that are particularly highlighted and brought into sharper focus as we consider this coming Christmas season the incarnation. And I pray that somehow the Word of God would come alive to you, and that you will never grow tired of that Word, because it is that Word that gives life. Amen. And it is that Word that gives light. For most all of us, Christmas is a time of giving. From the time that wise men brought gifts to Jesus, Christmas has been known as a time of sharing. We give gifts to loved ones and we, some people give to the less fortunate and others give to the church for different projects. Some give to charities and others give to friends and some even give to their pets. If we have any pet lovers in the house, can I get an amen? Amen. All right, I'm not among strangers then. How many are here today that have ever stressed over finding the perfect Christmas present for somebody? Do I get them what they need or do I give them what they want? (laughs) And then all those problems that you wrestle with, will they really like it? Will they ever wear it? Will they return it to the store the next day? Will they re-gift it to somebody else or will it be given back to me next year as a white elephant gift? (laughs) Those are all the problems that we wrestle with in a time of giving. A little boy sat down to write a letter to his grandmother. He said, Dear Grandmother, thank you for the gift that you gave me this year. It was almost as good as the one I really wanted. Johnny. (laughs) Oh, you know one of the amazing things to me about Christmas and about the giving is that kids usually wind up having more fun with the boxes than they do with the actual toys. Maybe we could learn something from them. Gifts come in all shapes and sizes, and I don't know how many of you, some of you are old enough to remember this, but years ago there was a store that sent out a catalog every Christmas season. I think it was Sackowitz uh, or Neiman Marcus, and it was the gifts that you could get for somebody that had everything. And I remember opening the first edition of it, and on the first page was this $3 million uh, airplane that you could buy somebody. And the next page was this humongous diamond ring that was encrusted with all kind of diamonds, and right in the center was this rare jewel, and you could purchase it for the mere sum of $700,000. And there are people that live in that world. I don't, but there are some maybe here that live in that world, but I don't. But it has been observed that sometimes the anticipation of a gift actually exceeds the realization of that gift. That what we thought was going to come was not exactly what we had anticipated. And if we were truly honest today, we would all probably say we have experienced some disappointment in our life with something that we unwrapped. But I want to talk to you about gifts today and over the next few services, Brother Landon and I are going to be talking to you about gifts that you will never be disappointed with. And they will never disappoint you. And it is so important that we unwrap them and enjoy them and embrace them. That we not leave them unwrapped. Leave them without taking them and enjoying and embracing them. I would like to suggest to you this morning that there are gifts that you can receive that never disappoint you that never let you down, unlike money that can only buy so much and give so much and can be used for a limited degree of success, there are gifts that are great beyond monetary value. And the greatest gift that has ever been given was given when the child was born and laid in a manger in Bethlehem and they called his name Jesus. I believe that that moment, that was God's opportunity to show you and I heaven's very best. One who came to redeem us from the curse of the law and from our sins and give us eternal life and the truths that Christmas revealed to us are of gifts that are worthy of always possessing and they will never disappoint you and some of them are so amazing that every time you touch them and every time you handle them and every time you open them you gain greater blessing And a greater measure of happiness and success. Today we need to see these gifts. And more than see them we need to feel them. I believe we have felt some of that gift already this morning. In the presence of God that has moved in this place. I'm thankful that I can feel God, that I can sense that He's near, that He's not just some (laughs) arbitrary figure of thought in another universe, but He lives and He resides among men and He lives in us in our hearts. And His presence is very real and I like to feel that and I want to always feel that when we come together. I want to hear What these gifts are and I want to experience them and I want to celebrate them and I want to rejoice over them. Over the next few weeks I hope that we can help you rediscover and unwrap and re-examine some of the great incredible gifts that God has given to mankind that are highlighted in this Christmas season And to capture the true meaning of this particular time of the year. That it's not just about parties or getting together which we always enjoy. And the reason we do that is because of the gifts that he has given us. Because they have made us want to be together. They have caused us to love one another. And The likelihood of most of us in this building even remotely liking each other outside the realm of God is almost impossible but because of God. Every kind of personality, every kind of individual that you could imagine sits in this auditorium today and we have all been brought together by the unifying power of his love and what He has shed abroad in our heart in the Holy Ghost. Amen. It has made us all better individuals. Praise God. Let's go to our text for a moment. To really understand the writings of John more fully, you have to understand when and where this particular book and the other three that are in the latter part of the New Testament were written They were written almost a hundred years or perhaps a little over a hundred years after the birth of Christ. They were at least seventy years past the resurrection, the crucifixion. And so John is now riding to a church that is an accumulated mixture of many things. It is no longer predominantly Jew. And Jewish mindset and Jewish thought. But Gentiles have now embraced the gospel. And Gentile, the Greek, has now become a major part of the church. As a matter of fact, most historians say, and I verified this this morning, that there was possibly a hundred times more Greeks and Gentiles in the church at that time than there were Jews. Jews. That's how massive a revival there had come to the Gentile world. Aren't you glad that that message came to Cornelius? Praise God. Is there anybody glad that although you were born outside the stock and the seed of Abraham, that he has grafted you in and he has made you a part of his wonderful family? But John wrote to a mixture of thought, predominantly influenced by the Greek culture. And so when you see the beginning of John's writings in this book, it is so different than Matthew and Luke when they record the birth of Christ. Because they are predominantly Jew and they're writing from that Jewish mindset. And the Jew understood the thought of a Messiah because that had been in their vocabulary for hundreds and eons of years. They knew about the promise of one who would rise and they knew all of these other prophecies about him. And the Jews also understood the importance of genealogy, but to a Greek, Genealogy didn't mean anything. And they didn't know anything about a Messiah. And so how was John going to reach a culture and reach a people that didn't have that traditional mindset. You know, we struggle with a little bit of that in our modern time because we have got an element, a mixture of of ages in our church and some of us older people think that the way we got it and the way we received it is law and gospel and you don't get it that way or do it that way. It's not law and gospel. And yet the culture we live in, so many of the things... That we are so familiar with. And even when we were young. Those words were even common in the religious world. Are no longer even used. Brother and sister. I'm so comfortable with that. I don't even think twice about it. But younger people. Younger generation come in. They want know brother. Sister. What are you talking about? So there's. that. John was. He was dealing with this. This uprising. And this influx of. Greek and, and, and Gentiles that were becoming a part of the church. And more importantly, how do you reach a people that their mindset has not been influenced by the thoughts of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob? How do you reach a culture that doesn't know about a Messiah coming? And so John seized on one common denominator that was common both not only in Greek culture, but in Jewish thought, and that was how he began this letter of John, John chapter 1, in the beginning, and he tells us what it was that was in the beginning, and in the beginning was the Word, the Word, amen. And it was there that John began to unravel the mystery of the incarnation so that not only the Jew would understand, but the Greek and the Gentile could comprehend what had come into the world, what had actually happened to mankind at the birth of this child they called Jesus. That at that incarnation, that at that moment of birth, there came into A world that knew nothing of Messiah, the one that would save them and deliver them. And in this singularly brief yet profound and provocative, and to me it is perspective and moving, it is uplifting and enlightening. John unwraps to you and I the singular greatest of all gifts and that is the word. Everybody say the word. the word, the word, the word, the beauty of the thought and the power of the expression is too much for my limited mind to fully grasp and I have wrestled with it last night till past midnight and up at five something this morning again trying to put my mind around this thought, the gift of his word, the greatest gift. He encapsulates in a single thought, this is to me the greatest of all of the gifts that we could unwrap in this Christmas season because it is what gives meaning to all the other gifts. Love had been around for centuries. Love had been known for eons by men and women, but they didn't know it in the way that he would reveal it in himself. And mercy, we might have had some conception of mercy but it was such a foreign thought that you would let somebody off but he came and he revealed to us mercy and grace and truth truth was was arbitrary for most people in their way of thinking but when he came the word came the word revealed to us the power of one truth of one word of one thought that should guide and should influence and encapsulate the totality of what we are. And it is this gift that makes all the other gifts worth exploring. Amen. It is the gift of the Word. And the Word that John used to describe this was Logos. And the Greeks understood Logos because even their philosophers and their wise men understood that there was some reasoning behind this thing called life. There was some ultimate influence behind everything that happened. There were philosophers that lived among the Greeks and and they were very popular at the time and they were very well known in their writing that, that emphasized the fact that there had to be a cause. There had to be a reason behind all this. And when John realized that they believed that and he understood that the Jew understood what Logos meant, it meant reason. It meant thought. He brought that to the surface and he said this is what you need to understand about the incarnation. It is the manifestation of the word, the reason, the thought of God in a fleshly tabernacle that you and I could identify with. I can't identify with God because I am not that's spiritual. Amen. But I can identify with a man. I can identify with flesh. I cannot identify with spirits. Some spirits spook me. And God was spirit, invisible, all places, at all times. And, and He spoke. And we're not talking just about the spoken word that we are given, but we're talking about the essence of who he was and who he would become to you and I, and that is the word. And so in order for him to make himself known to us and his thought and his purpose and his desire, John chooses this word, Logos, It's more than a sound. It's more than a language or a speech. It spoke of ideas and reason. It was actually the thoughts of God. So when you use the word logos or you use the word word that you are actually referring to the thoughts of God. And to express the mind of God, God wrapped Himself in a fleshly body like you and I so that we could more fully grasp and feel entwined with who He was. if you wish to know what God thinks, you can find it revealed in His Word. Amen. This Word has the power to do so many things. If you go back to Genesis 1, we're introduced to the power of the Word. And it says, In the beginning, the world was without form and void, and God moved on the face of the deep, and chaos gave way, and order came, and He gave the command, and God said, Let there be light. Light came. And light pushed back the chaos. And light pushed away the disorder. And you find there the creative power of the Word. It brought worlds into existence. The illuminating power of the Word. The controlling power of the Word. That nothing could come into existence except by His Word. Nothing that could be born or come into this world could come without His Word speaking that into being. Amen. Read. less what John said in that first chapter. Nothing was made without Him. Amen. It was by His Word sustaining hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 he said he upholdeth all things by the word of his power that the word is so incredible that everything about us is sustained by that word your whole life is held up by that word your entire being the reason you're here today is because of the word of god And that word is what was manifest to us in that fleshly body that was called a baby. Amen. Praise God. And yet as powerful as that word and thought and that reason of God was, that word would never have its fullest meaning to you and I if it had not become flesh. Amen. Amen. What made it reality to us is when he came. It is recorded as a fact that in England during the Crimean War that the English heard of the atrocities of the battlefield and they were stirred over the suffering of their neglected soldiers in the conflict And they say that a wave of indignation swept through England and publications were put out and many things were said in reference to it. But all of the stirring of their thought did not change one painful wound on the battlefield. What changed the story Was when a woman named Florence Nightingale decided to go into the field where the soldiers were. And with her army of helpers, she brought the healing. And the touch that was needed to cleanse the wound. What you see in that story is nothing short of what God did in coming in Christ. That when He indwelt in that physical body, He made Himself real to us in a way that we could understand and we could embrace. And the Word that was made flesh did not remain an idea. It did not remain a thought. It was not just a feeling. It became a fact. And I'm thankful today that I worship a living fact. Yes, I worship a living fact. Not an idea. Not just a thought or a philosophy. But it issued forth and took hold of material things. And He took on the body of humankind. Amen, and because of His coming, it's no longer just a message. We have a messenger. Woo! Yeah, Yeah. I don't remember the the verse in Job where He talks about: "Is there anybody? Is there a daysman? Is there is, is there anybody that can help me?" And I have good news, Job. There is, because that message became. A messenger. The messenger delivered the message. God wanted humanity to know how he felt about us. Amen. And so he refused to remain just a thought or an idea or an impression. But he came and wrapped himself. And that, my friend, is the gift that never quits giving. Because that Word became this Word that we love. And I'm telling you right now that the Word of God, the Bible that you hold in your hands today is a Word that continually gives. It. I don't care where you are in life. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you've experienced. You can open His Word and you can find something that comes to minister to you because it is the gift that continues to give. And because it continues to give. I am transformed. And I am renewed. And I am given hope today. Because it never ceases to give. But for a babe in Bethlehem. Life would be dark and meaningless. Amen. But because He came. The light shine in the darkness. And the darkness could not put it out. That word has produced two of the most important things that I can think of to our lives. And that is life and light. Amen. This word that would be manifest in flesh brought life and light to us. Life and light. Think about it. The two most important things in all of existence. There can be no life without light and there can be no light without life. They are intertwined. I've been captured by these twin words this week and how wonderful the gifts are that they give to us. Life was not just Living. It was not just existing. It was not just talking about breathing. Lungs expanding and and, and retracting. But He was talking about something eternal. Something beyond. Something above. Something over. Abundant. As a matter of fact, it is said of Him that He came to give life. And He came to give that life more abundantly. That's the kind of concept that God wanted us to understand, is that He doesn't want me just to exist. He wants me to really know what it is to live to the fullest of my life. Amen. Life carried to the fullest. Abundant. Everybody say abundant. Overflowing. Amen. Overflowing. Large. Full. Not dwarfed not incomplete, not meaningless. This life that I'm talking about can only be found in Jesus Christ. It was not just life in that idea, but it was a new way of living. Amen. It was a new way of going about life. It wasn't no longer an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth but if your brother offends you if he slaps you on the face turn oh I know we don't want to hear that because that's a dimension of life that many of us have failed to get to But that's what he came to reveal, that there's a higher way of living. There's a better way of living than just duking it out every day and and going to fisticuffs every time you turn around over things that you don't like or you don't want. And all of that happens and it brings greater conflict. But the Word was manifest in flesh so that you and I could learn, discover, explore, experience, have life that was on another level, that was in another dimension, that when people look at you, they say, I don't know where you get the joy. I don't know where you get the peace. I don't know where you get the happiness. I don't know how you can be comfortable and calm under these circumstances. i tell you how I can do it because I met somebody at an altar. I embrace somebody with his spirit in my life that has brought a new way of living. Amen. A new tone to life. Woo! A new tone. Amen. I'm not a musician, but I do know there's a difference in tone. I don't have time to get into that, but there's some people could use A (laughs) tune-up. You need to strike a new note in your life and you ought to let Christmas be a season where you wrap yourself around that word that's been revealed. That you wrap yourself around that gift that keeps on giving and say, God, I'm not where I need to be right now. I've got an attitude problem and I admit it. I have this negative bent. Everything I look at, I look at from crossed eyes. And do you know what? A cross-eyed spider always weaves a crooked word. I don't know where that one came from, (laughs) but Christmas will help uncross your eyes so that you can see the beauty of what God has given you instead of being consumed with all the negativity and hatred that's in our world right now. Listen to me. This is an opportunity for us to shine. This is a time for us to show the world what really this season is all about. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Life is lifted to a higher level because of the power of this word that has come into our lives. Are you thankful for that word today? That word that became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible said he became flesh. The Greek says that he tabernacled, he pitched his tent. He built His abode with us. He didn't just come in spirit, but He came in a fleshly body He knew temptation. He faced all of the issues that you and I faced. He went through all the ups and downs, the hatred, the denial, the betrayals, the bitterness. All of those things he experienced in his life. But he did those so that he could show you and I there is a better way of living. And there is a higher realm of life than what you have experienced. And I want to bring that life to you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. But the question is how, how do we make this life our light? We make it our light by responding to it. By embracing it. Not just reading it and walking away and never considering its implications. But when that word says thou shalt not. Did you hear me? When that word says thou shalt not, I don't try to argue whether that was for that day or, or some other time. It's the thought of God. It's the idea. It was God's reasoning that he wanted to share with us. And so we have that written word that's been preserved that gives us an understanding of that powerful, all-encompassing word That became flesh. We respond to its teaching. We yield to its commands and we submit to its requirements. And when we do, we learn that there is a life that comes that's sweeter and richer than any life we could know anywhere else on this earth globe. Amen. Is there anybody thankful for that life that you have today? Praise God. I'm hurrying to a close. Praise God. Life. Eternal life. And that life has been the light of men. I love the word light. You know, my brother was sharing something with me early this morning that they have discovered that a a person, a human being, cannot stay in darkness but for a limited amount of time or it will drive them insane. If they want to break somebody down, they put them in a dark place and leave them there because we were not made for darkness. We were not made for darkness. And yet darkness encompasses so many lives in the world in which we live. And if somehow some of us could help some of those rediscover the reason for this season that the Word was made flesh. And that Word brought life and light to pass. It brought life. A different way of living, a different level of living, a different purpose in living. And it brought life, illumination. I don't have to fear the dark. I don't have to be intimidated by the chaos. I don't have to be overwhelmed by the confusion. Because now there's light that shines into my life. And it shines in my life on a daily basis. How dark my life would be today if that light had not shined into my heart. It would be meaningless if He had not come. Oh God, those who sit in darkness, the Bible said they saw a great light. The day star, the dawn has arrived, revealing light. How many things are illumined by it when otherwise it would be lost in the darkness, but because light has come in Him, the divine ideal was wonderfully realized and it was highlighted. Amen. The gift of His Word. The Word is the gift of eternity and it didn't come in being a creation. It was already there. The thought The the reasoning was already there and that Word only had to come forth to us in fleshly form for us to fully comprehend it. Oh God, help me today. The Word is power, creative power, commanding power. It has light and life consumed in it. All the other blessings of mercy and peace and love and joy, all of them find their purpose in that life, that command to let there be light. And the Word became flesh. Somebody say that with me. And the Word became flesh. It took a baby in a manger for us to fully know the power of the Word. That Word that would illumine every area of our life. And it would give and give and give And keep on giving. Amen. Stand with me right now. It sounds like a great piece of music. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Oh, yes. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what we celebrate this season. Not just a bunch of parties. Not just a bunch of giving and giftings and buying and selling, trading or whatever else. We celebrate the fact that almost 2,000 years ago, in an ugly inn and a dirty stable, the God of heaven broke into our world, our dirty, filthy Contaminated world, and said, I, I'm going to be like you and I'm going to show you how to live. Amen. And because of his life, look around at all the lives that have been changed. One solitary life. Amen. Praise God. I don't know what you're thankful for today. Maybe you already have a bunch of gifts under the tree or you've got a list of things to buy and you will feel good when you look there at that beautiful tree or whatever you have decorated in your house and you see all of those wonderful things. You feel good that it's all done. But while you're feeling good about that, don't forget to feel even better about this, the Word, because this is the gift that keeps on giving. The Word that never dies. The Word that will never come to naught. The Word that will never be voided. It will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. And that Word became flesh. It became like me. Amen. Why? So I could become like Him. That's what God's working on right now is to help us become like Him. Amen. I need Him to work a little more on me. Is there anybody here in this building that feels that way? Are you thankful for what He's done? Lift your voice with me right now and let's praise Him. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We love you today. Hallelujah. Thank you for the Word. Thank you, Word. Thank you.